listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. McCain follows. Doyle Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Tough shot. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma presented by Apollo Media on Houston All Original. I am one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anders and I've covered UH Athletics for now three seasons. Uh, first two with the Daily Cougar, second or final for their, <laughs> I guess, day on. It's, it's game night. I'm kind of stumbling over my words. Now currently with Apollo Media and you can follow me on Twitter at Ayanis underscore five. Thank you for joining us. Dayan, take it away. Hey, what's good? I'm Dayan Dunlap. I've been covering UH sports since around 2016, this past season. I um, started doing color commentary on UH women's basketball home games. This season, I filled in for play-by-play doing some soccer for um, U of H and um, also do a plethora of high school games for a few companies throughout the Houston area. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap, but also be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And day on today's episode, wherever you're listening, it's reaction. The day of Houston Rice, uh, very good bounce back performance by the Cougars. Honestly, and I, I wrote this in, in the game recap we did, we did after the game. This looked like UH was by far the better team. It looked like it wasn't even an even matchup from the moment uh, the opening kickoff, uh, similar to last week against Texas Tech. Houston, uh, on their first offensive drive, drove down the field, were able to punch it in with a touchdown. But I guess this game started a little different where the defense got the three and out. We could touch on that of all the talk they mentioned coming into the game. But UH once again got on the scoreboard first, punched it in on the touchdown. And really quickly, they built the double-digit lead. And unlike last week, did not relinquish it. Dayon, what did you see from today's game or Saturday's game between Houston and Rice? Man, I saw a team playing with a sense of urgency. I saw a team that played like it was a must-win game. Um, There was a few players that came out said it was a must-win. Me and you both agreed, and in our opinion, we thought it was a must-win. And that's when I saw the players play like it. They actually looked like a Big 12 team compared to Rice as far as they look like a team, like a much better team compared to Rice. And they simply dominated from start to finish. They never trailed in the game. And I've really just been quite impressed with the defense from either from last week, even to this week, where they simply just dominated the entire game. But I mean, after last week, all eyes was on Clayton Toon, and he, he he pretty much had a game as I expected it to have, being that the opponent is who they were as far as Rice. And so it was it was it was good to see UH kind of do what they should have done. You really don't get no points for me from doing what you should have done, beating teams that you should beat. But it was a good performance. 
And yeah, for sure. Like you mentioned, Clayton Toon had a very good, strong 236 passing yards, two touchdowns, added 49 rushing yards on the ground. And um, obviously there's still some moments that we talked about during the game where it looked a bit shaky tune and really the offense in general during uh, that second quarter really, really struggled, only managed, only ran 10 plays and only had three total yards in that second quarter where it looked a little bit of the kind of similar to Texas Tech. And we'll have a clip where Dana Halverson talks about it a little bit. But he said he felt a little anxious for, for his team to get going, heading into halftime. But unlike last week against Texas Tech, they were able to turn it around. They came out strong in that third quarter and really put the game out of reach, where unlike last week, where it just continued into the third quarter and really it all fell apart. It was completely flipped the scripts. Right. Right. And because, well, since Hogerson has been um, here at Houston, Houston hasn't really often played a full complete game. There's been a lot of highs and lows. And so with that dip in the second quarter and the offense kind of went on a dry spell, even um, Coach Hogerson talked about Rice taking the momentum and he was anxious to see how his team rebounding. For me, um, watching the game, I was kind of wondering, okay, is this Houston time that they're kind of going to implode and start hurting themselves? And it was good to see the outcome not do that. And you just mentioned that clip. Let's just get right into the clip of post-game um, media availability with Coach Hogerson. Second quarter, I'm not, I'm not putting that second quarter on Clayton Tone. We forgot, we forgot to lie, you know, and, you know, that was the biggest issue in the second half last game. You know, we went up 17 to nothing, and, you know, two of our offensive players lost their minds. I mean, all I talk about is, 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 is being disciplined, not doing stupid stuff, uh, emotional control. We had two penalties after a, after a touchdown. I mean, are you kidding me? And uh, so we're kicking off from 10. Defense actually stops, and then we have a, you know, a rough punter thing. So they eventually go down and score, and they score, and it killed the whole half. We only ran nine plays in the second quarter. I mean, I, it, it went good, but, you know, we scored on our first three possessions in the first quarter, and it was for, for two for two, two uh, possessions in the second quarter. I have to really look at it to see what exactly happened, but it looked to me like it's got a block. Yeah, I challenged him, and then we came out in the third quarter, he sat in there, like, about pivots, like three times on third long. After getting peppered in the second quarter, he sat in there, he made huge throws. That's improvement. That's progress. So I'm very, very proud of him, like, blocking out all the noise from media and from other people on the outside, which you don't know what happens on the inside because this team believes he's playing to an obvious play to his quarterback, and he plays his ass off. And that's about it. Yeah, strong words from Dana Hogerson that really uh, he went on a bit of a tangent in the second quarter struggles and talking about how he it was much more of the others, especially uh, a couple of penalties and, and just blocking. I mentioned they only ran 10 total plays on offense in that second quarter. But that ending right there where Dana Hogerson says that not only is he, was he proud of the way Toon bounced back, blocking out all the noise, and believing today on you and I were, were just one of the two that they criticized too, but even coming from the UA fan base, really everyone that watched that game, a lot of questions rose in terms of is Toon the guy? Does a change need to be made at that position? And like Hogerson said, couldn't have played any better against Rice. And even then, the closing 
statement where he said, this team believes in Clayton. Dana Holgerson said, and I quote, I believe in Clayton. And quote, those are some strong words from your head coach. Definitely some strong words. And I mean, you, you have to breathe confidence into your starting quarterback. At the same time, you have to hold him accountable. And although he played well, we can look at the stat sheet and look at his numbers. His numbers was, were good. But the most important number on the stat sheet for me in regards to Clayton Toon was no turnovers, no fumbles, mm-hmm. no INTs, no interceptions. And so that, for me, was, I, was what I was keeping an eye on, to make sure he didn't turn the ball over and really just play in the rhythm and played within himself inside the offense. And, and he did that the entire game. He threw the ball well. He made some, two big, long third-down throws. Pocket awareness was pretty good. I can't say it was great because I feel like sometimes he could have maybe um, handled himself a little better inside the pocket. But overall, Clayton had a bounce-back game against a formidable opponent, and we should have another formidable opponent for him to continue to build his momentum next week. But – I like what I've seen from Clayton. It was a a, a a must good performance from Clayton, and he definitely answered the call. Yeah, one thing I did want to add with Toon, uh, he did have a bit of an injury scare in the third quarter where, I mean, he probably had his highlight play of the game wherever he ran, and he busted out a 42-yard sprint. And first of all, he broke a rice defender's ankle. That was a nasty juke that he did. And it, honestly, it looked like he was going to run all the way and score the touchdown. But he ended up going out of bounds and kind of limping, started grabbing his hamstring, at least it looked like from the press box. Um, Dayon, I was told that the reason that Clayton Toon didn't speak to reporters after the game was because he was getting treatment on something in his lower leg. They didn't confirm if it was a hamstring or something else. But, I mean, just talking with nobody right there, that's something to look for. And like you mentioned, next week they'll be facing Grambling. So um, his status might be something to monitor Heading into the week, obviously, speaking of quarterbacks, Ike Bagu finally uh, was able to get into the game in the fourth quarter after it was a, a really lopsided score where Houston had it in the bag. And they were able to complete one pass for 13 yards, but I digress from the quarterback position. One other part on the offense that we saw was uh, big plays, a lot of carries from Alton McCaskill, who – he had himself one heck of a game. He scored three total touchdowns, two on the ground, one receiving. Dayon, I know we have a clip uh, from Dana Homerson speaking about McCaskill, but what did you see from him and really in uh, a running back? That, it's kind of a running back by com- committee group for this Cougars offense and that struggled against Texas Tech. We're able to come back and Houston put up 172 yards on or I, my mistake, 144 total yards just on the ground, a much better performance than last week against Texas Tech. Definitely was a much better performance running the ball. And I like um, the freshman Alton McCaskill getting a bulk of the carries um, against Rice. I mean, this is his freshman season and you have an opponent like Rice who gave up over 200 rushing yards last week. And what a better opportunity to get your freshman feet wet at the college level. He didn't have that many carries last week against Texas Tech. But they pretty much fed him this week, 14 carries to 41 yards. You mentioned three touchdowns, two rushing. One of them he caught, if I'm not mistaken, for like 35 yards. So he definitely looked like an all-around back. I love his side, his agility. He showed the ability to make people miss in the hole. 
then accelerate. And so I feel like it was a coming out party for Alton McGaskill. I, I, I like what I've seen of him. We heard a lot from his teammates and coaches about him throughout the entire um, summer. So it was good to see him finally, finally get some action. And um, oh, another quick thing on Clayton Toon, he's, he's had some hamstring um, injuries in the past. So we're not mm-hmm. sure if that's his exact injury, but that's something to keep an eye on. They were grambling next week. You have to wonder if he is maybe limited a little bit. Will they just rest him because it's a long season going forward? And I wonder, will they feel confident whether it be Ike starting quarterback against Grambling and being able to get that win? Right, for sure. That'll be something to monitor. Speaking on the topic of injuries, um, one player that on occasion seemed like his season will be over is Cedric Williams, who suffered a devastating ankle injury, at least. Um, That's what CBS Sports Network reported. Uh, He suffered an ankle injury, and um, Dana Homerson, after the game, didn't confirm if it was necessarily an ankle. He said it was some type of injury in his lower leg, and Homerson himself said that it, it looks like Williams' season is going to be over. So uh, a tough, brutal key loss for this UH defense. And obviously, best wishes for Cedric Williams as he begins his recovery process. But, Dayon, going back to Alton McCaskill, I wanted to – let's play that clip from Homerson talking about McCaskill and, and how he said that this is something that he's not surprised. It's something that he's seen from him and expects of him. Oh. I mean, he's a complete sack. I've been saying that for a while. Unfortunately, he uh, got hurt for the last couple of weeks of, <clears throat> of camp and, and you know, didn't, didn't look good uh, game week last week. He, he could, the knee brace came off, and you could tell that he was uh, back to himself. So, you know, on Henry was out. You know, he's kind of our third down back when, when it comes to, you know, Receiving Fred out of the backfield, he can line them up everywhere and do different things with them. <laughs> so there's a role to do that. So we definitely wanted to, uh, you know, get him involved on some of the pass game stuff. But uh, he can he can be in the backfield and get, get hard yards too. I mean, some of the short yard stuff that he did. I think that's just the start of what he's going to do. Send it over to Mark Berman. Mark. Yeah, Dayon, when you hear Dana Overson, the high praise that he gives them, and really what stood out to me was in that little bit at the end where he says this is just a, a taste of what, what he can show, that kind of touching a bit of the potential. And I'm looking here down the stat sheet. He, like he, I mentioned earlier, he had three total touchdowns. He had 40 rushing yards. I mean, he had 51 receiving yards. And when you look at him play, he's a bit of a versatile back. And what Dana Alverson said after the game was he was really impressed what he was able to do in short yardage, especially in the go-to-go situations. Honestly, he kind of reminds me a little bit with the versatility, potentially a type of player, not to compare him to an NFL player, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Kind of like James White a little bit. What do you think, Dan? You know who who I was thinking he reminds me of? He reminds me of Steven Jackson. I don't know if you remember Steven mm-hmm. Jackson. Um, he yeah. was a running back for years, and he's a taller running back, like six foot, well, over six foot or around that. And he's a bigger back who can do it all coming out of the backfield, who play, he played at Oregon State. So that's who, watching him, just his stature, how tall he is, his versatility, he's what you call the three-down back. He can play all three downs, and like he meant, um, like Oberson mentioned, mentioned his versatility. And so 
I think it's like we said, it's a coming out party for McGaskill. We've been hearing nothing but good things from the Houston Cougars players and coaches right him. So I think it's only a matter of time before he eventually breaks out for an even bigger game. But I think this was a, a, a good game for him. I feel like when the game slows down for him and he's able to set up his box, be a little bit more patient coming in and out of the hole in his cuts, I think Houston has the potential to have a special running back in Alton McGaskill. He's only a freshman, one of the highly recruited running backs um, that Houston has had in a while. Mm-hmm. We'll leave it there for the offense for a little bit, and we'll transition over to the defense coming right up on our second segment here on Pod Slamma Jamma. We'll talk about the strong defensive performance that the Cougars had against Rice, limiting them to only seven points, pitching a second-half shutout, and making quarterback Luke McCaffrey throw three interceptions in the loss. Coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Continuing on here on Pod Slamma Jamma as Houston takes home the Bayou bucket. And to me, the story of the game not only of Clayton to all eyes on him, but it's to their defense. Back-to-back games where the defense look like that they're going to be the, the better unit on this football team, and that's something we haven't had in a while, really since I've been covering um, Houston football. And, I mean, it starts up front with their D-line. Logan Hall had a career game as far as total tackles, eight total tackles, and a career high in tackles for loss with two and a half. And uh, – I think they, they set the tone, but more important to me, they are able to take the ball away again. Back-to-back games where they are able to cause double-digit turnovers, and that's going to ball well from You're going to be able to win most games when you're able to do that. What did you see from the defense today? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is a completely dominating performance, and something that we mentioned during our, our preview episode where, especially coming off the type of game that the offense and Clayton Toon had against Texas Tech. We felt like this is going to be a game where the defense would have to set the tone. That's something that defensive coordinator Doug Bell talked about during the week, uh, where the goal for this defense was not only to set the tone, but also be physical, be the ones that control the tempo of the game. And they did exactly that. And it couldn't have started any better with forcing the three and out. And then also in the first quarter, Hassan Hippolyte, who uh, probably had his best game here for the Cougars, especially early on. He had oh, that diving doubt. interception. He had that diving interception in the first quarter, which Houston was able to turn around and score a touchdown, and they were already up 17 nothing before the first quarter even ended. That right there, and just a complete dominance, like you mentioned, they made uh, Luke McCaffrey, quarterback for Rice, have to throw three interceptions. I'm, I'm looking down the list. I mean, he had a really rough game, only completed nine passes for 86 yards. I mean, my goodness, you – doesn't get any better than that when you look at the offense. You know, rushing, Rice had a little bit of more success. But uh, honestly, a lot of those yards came at the very end of the fourth quarter once the game was really out of reach. Houston did a really good job of just really bullying Rice and not letting him do anything, especially through the first three quarters when the game was really mattered. 
Facts. They really do just dominate from start to finish. And these are the type of defensive performances you want against a team that you expect to be. You want to come in there, you want to dominate, you want to let them know, like, hey, it's going to be a long game. But more importantly, you want to win up front. Yeah. And with their depth in their D-line, they were able to get home to the quarterback cost, having not allowed him to get settled in that pocket on the obvious passing situations. They don't have to blitz. They can use their front four to primarily cause havoc. And uh, I like the different different pass rushing packages that they use to have different rushers, putting them in different positions to rush the passers. So hats off to um, defensive coordinator Doug Belt, back-to-back Really good performances by his defense. And I really feel like they're, they're going to continue to be the strong suit of this team going forward. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I know we mentioned, you mentioned this before, where you did it. it it's hard to give, especially after the disappointing loss last week, give them praise for what they needed to do but or what they were expected to do. But I think this dominating, the way they bounce back, like you mentioned, it, I think this will be a team where, the defense kind of has to take the first step and lead and kind of set the tone for how the team will play in games. This is how it'll play out. And especially during the season where the offense has games where it struggles, they have to rely on this defense. And I mean, looking across the board, not only they had four sacks, they had seven tackle for losses. When Logan Hall, who spoke to, to reporters after the game, he had a good game. He had half of a sack and he also had two and a half tackle for losses and even a quarterback hit like we've mentioned of course the three interceptions but I mean I'm looking across the board I mean they had 71 total tackles against Rice and really a lot of negative plays Dayon what did you see from Logan Hall and um, another one of the players we mentioned last week that had a a bit of a slow – he had a, a kind of a bad game against Texas Tech where he wasn't really – did much with Latrell Bankston who, you know, leading up to Texas Tech, the coaching staff was high on him. He had a much better performance as he also reported a sack and made his presence known against Rice. Yeah, starting with Longer Hall, man, he, he really looked like a next-level player right there. He's really just dominated – the um, line of scrimmage, whether it be from the defensive tackle position, from the defensive end position, and really with just a two-headed attack as well from him and and, um, and Bankston. And I was, um, I wasn't disappointed with Bankston last week, but I expected a bigger game. Really, after hearing him talk and the standard that he holds himself to, and how he talked about facing different offensive linemen on Texas Tech and felt like he was going to have a good game. Um, I didn't get it to be, break film down. Maybe he was facing some double teams, but today he made he had his coming out party as far as the Houston Cougar. Him and Logan Hall were a handful up front, and when you get pressure up the middle, that's hard on the quarterback. And then you have the speed coming around the edge. And so Logan Hall, man, he he definitely looks like a next level player. And the body type similar to a Peyton Turner, I, I believe he's a little bit maybe bigger as far as in his underbody, maybe his legs and stuff. And so I really like what I've seen um, from Logan Hall. He had a career game, and he actually talked to the media after the game. So let's check out what he had to say. Uh, 
We'll move along to Jane. But yeah, Dan, coming off that clip, when it would what really stood out to me was Logan Hall talking about how he said he felt completely energized. He felt like the defense, the performance they did, he called last week's performance against Texas Tech an aberration. And he said that the, the way they dominated, the, the win overall against Rice felt really well, really good, and a lot more to the standard. And we, we go, going back to what Donovan Newton said during the week, he said, and something that, that uh, Hall kind of reiterated was that across the board, a lot of these players on the defense, they used the word, they felt um, like that loss really bothered them. They felt like they, it, it was something that was kind of irking at them just the way that that game went down because they were up. They had a double-digit lead against Texas Tech and they gave it away. And just that's why it goes back to yeah, it's Rice, but just the way they dominated them, it, it's it's obviously a step in the right direction. But such a dominating performance is something that UH hasn't done much, on, especially in the past three seasons. Right. And um, I feel like Hassan Hippolyte set the tone. Not only with that interception, mm-hmm. he came up and made some big hits early in, in that first quarter as well. I feel like he set the tone. We, we raved about the defensive line, but the linebacker, Donovan Mune, had a really good game. And I didn't see really any missed tackles. Coach Doug Bell talked about the missed tackles that they had, which led to explosive plays. I feel, I feel like they wrapped up better today. They made better tackles. And just put together an all-around performance and finished the game. But that was the thing last week, not finishing the game, although they played a tremendous game. They didn't finish the game to the standard that they like, and they did that today. Right. Hassan Hippolyte, we mentioned, I mean, he, he caught our eye early where he read the, the – he came up and he hit the quarterback. It was Luke McCracker who was trying to kind of uh, get away from the pressure and trying to rush for a couple of yards. He came up, got past that Rice offensive lineman. He just hit him hard, and he, he limited the game to just the two-yard game. And I, I'm looking again at the stat line. He applied, had four total tackles. But, you know, going back to the three interceptions, the other players they had him besides Hippolyte, was also uh, Art Green, who had it midway through the game. And, of course, Alex Hogan, who got the final pick six at the very end as the buzzer expired, or I guess in football it's not the buzzer, but at the time ran out. But, yeah, just going back to that, this is complete and utter domination by the UH defense. Uh, once again, it's Rice. It's it, But, honestly, this, this is a Rice team that gave Arkansas – Every bit uh, a good game last week, and this week it was completely lopsided and completely. It never looked like Rice was in it. It sure didn't. And there, that um, Arkansas team that they played last week and they led in the third quarter actually beat Texas today. And so, oh, they annihilated Texas. Yeah, annihilated yeah. Texas. So that, that that says a lot about um, this Rice team, and this says a lot about Houston, the performance that they they put on here today, and. I think defense travels, man. I think if their defense can play like this throughout their entire season, they're going to put their offense in a position to win games and make plays. And so hopefully hoping for um, good help um, for Clay Toon and the rest of the entire team. Prayers go out to Seljuk 
um, Williams for sure. I know um, Logan Hall talked about how Cedric Williams has been through a lot, and he was just just heartbroken to lose him here in the second game of the season. But very impressed with um, the defense. But for this game against Rice, it's pretty much doing what you were supposed to do. It's just like um, – getting an A in PE class, you know, it's something you don't really celebrate. You expect it <laughs> to do that. And so right. in that big win today, I will, although I will say it wasn't close. They didn't play around. They pretty much dominated from start to finish. So that was a sight to see. Right. And we'll leave it there for this segment. Coming right up on Pass Time and Jamal for our third and final segment, we'll have our final thoughts, takeaways from the Houston's big win against Bryce. And also, we'll talk a little bit more about Nathaniel Dell and Marcus Jones, who uh, we mentioned last week how versatile Jones showed he can be. I mean, he played, he only played offensive snaps in this game, which he talked about it to reporters after game, how a bit of an odd it was. But coming right up, third segment of Pod Slam Majamo, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Pod Slam and Jam on our third and final segment. Now we're going to talk about the receiving core. Here in this air raid offense, Nathaniel Dell is without question the number one receiver, and he talked about his confidence. But Marcus Jones, as you just mentioned, Andy, he didn't play not one defensive snap, and he was second on the team in targets with eight, had four catches for 51 yards. But that that just makes me wonder how much faith does Coach Dana Hobson have in other receivers that he's recruited? I saw some of these receivers play in high school, and some of these guys had tremendous high school careers, but they really ha- aren't getting the opportunities to produce. Jeremy Singleton is another receiver who's been in Houston for a while who has some, some big games. He didn't have a catch. Christian Trahan, the tight end, he had a couple catches. But I'm just noticing the lack of depth, it seems like, from the receiving core. But their number one receiver, Nathaniel Tank Dell, he, he had a really good game. And he's targeted 10 times, caught seven of those for 87 yards, didn't get in the end zone. But I like what I saw from Nathaniel Dell. And I feel like here in the college level, he can't be a number one receiver. Yeah, and we we um, he spoke to reporters, and one of the funny, not funny, but you kind of expect from an athlete with just a confidence. But one of the things he said, kind of with a smile on his face, was he feels like really there's not anyone that can guard him one on one. He feels like he can get open no matter what type of defense another team throws at him. And and we mentioned after really Houston struggled to get anything going vertically against Texas Tech. Uh, Clayton two targeted Dell 10 times. Like you mentioned, he had seven catches. Uh, but I, d- I did want to go back to the point you brought up with Marcus, Marcus Jones and McCaskill because those guys, they, they were both number two, number three in receptions. They both had 51 yards. And they're both, I mean, Marcus Jones isn't even supposed to be playing on offense. He's supposed to be playing even especially. And he, he was playing receivers. I mean, that's who Clayton two targeted often early in the first quarter. And like you mentioned, you look at these receivers' name, Jeremy Singleton, who 
Keyshawn Carter's other name. Singleton and Keyshawn Carter combined, they only had five targets. That's half what Nathaniel Bell had. And, I mean, Marcus Jones himself had eight, and McCaskill had four. So that's almost, like, combined. Carter and Singleton only had one more target than Alton McCaskill. I mean, that that is something that's interesting, and I'm not entirely too sure, but that was just a game plan that, or the way the game ended up developing. But it, it could be... Uh, something that is just a game-by-game basis because I know one thing Dana Hogerson did say on Monday was that he wanted Clayton Toon to do a lot more better job of distributing the ball. And certainly when you look at, uh, there were nine players that had targets, that had receiving targets in this game. And of those nine, Nathaniel Dell had 10 targets, which certainly it, He'd seen, we mentioned it heading into training camp, that Dell would be a likely candidate to step up to be that number one wide receiver after Mark West Stevenson left for the NFL. But uh, it's an interesting point. And honestly, I'm not entirely too sure. If, like you said, it could be because they don't trust the receivers or for this game, it's just unique to that's what they felt. This is how they felt they could exploit Rice's defense. Right, and that's a good point by you. Uh, maybe they do trust them, but I, I think I might side with you. I think you may have just changed my mind. I think it, it was just a game plan by the game because after the game, Dana Hogerson talked about Marcus Jones, and he said it's on a game-to-game basis as far as mm-hmm. how much offense he'll play, and they're going to do what's best for the Cougars based on his versatility. He t- talked about his ability to track the ball throughout the air is very impressive, and that's why he's a really good punt returner, but just talking about some of the other receivers, I think maybe it was strictly just a game planning um, strategy for Houston. And I, I think they're trying to get Marcus Jones more and more comfortable in that way as the season goes on to continue to open up the entire playbook. Maybe he can step up even more. And some of the other receivers, like you mentioned, Keyshawn um, Carter and Singleton have stepped up as well. And I really like the double tight ends. Said both of the tight ends that they have, Trey Hahn mm-hmm. and the graduate senior Seth Green as well. But and yeah, and we caught out with Tank Dell after the game, and it was a question um, asked about Clayton Tune. And um, let's check out what he had to say. He's been good. Yes, we talked to him. I talked to him. I just told him to keep his head up. Like we got him. He wasn't worried about like what the outside was saying. He was just focused on us. That's what we preached. Um, Throughout the organization, just focus on us. So he was like, he was okay, you know, just let it go. So he wasn't too much um, stressing that. We were just moving on to the next week. Kind of that next game mentality, but you know, I want to connect something that you asked him, Dayana, in terms of. You've seen Dell tweet about uh, it's Houston versus everyone, or, or something along those lines, and he he gave you the answer as that's kind of the mentality that they've approached with this season. The Houston in general, they're kind of taking a us against everyone else mentality, which you know what they were able to describe not only kind of and not only today because he said it during the week where he has confidence in his quarterback and Clayton too, which just goes back to what Dana Horace and said and that with the clip that we showed in the first segment, how uh, there are there can Tune has support from the locker room, from his teammates. They're all riding around him, which obviously you'd expect from the quarterback number one. But just to hear it out again and to 
like like you mentioned, what you asked in terms of the mentality that they're taking, I think it's good for Houston not only to to say those words and say you know, we're not gonna we're gonna ignore all the outside noise and just focus on us, but then back that up with the impressive, the strong showing that they did. That's what builds team chemistry, and that's what gives you the super confidence to carry it over. And we'll touch a little bit on on grambling, but it's honestly it should be a, another similar performance next week against those guys. Right, you're right. It's one thing to to talk about it, and it's another thing to come out and let your play back up what your the words. And so, not only with um, Coach Hogerson showing ultra confidence in Clayton Tune, the receivers and the offensive line. Everyone's showing ultra confidence in Clayton Tune. And I feel like it has to help him. I think in the game, if he can continue like he did today, just to make the routine plays, play within himself inside um, of the offense and not try to force things down the field. And I think it's, it's a difference when the game is close, the pressure is a little bit tighter. And so when you're playing out front, I think Clayton Toon can play a little better. And so Clayton Toon has a, a ton of potential. It's just about putting it all together. And in the third year, this is we're expecting a breakout performance. And so he already has four interceptions on the season, and that's only – they've only played two games. And so I think everyone's keeping an eye on it and looking for if he can play clean football without turning the football over because, like, the highlight of the game was Clayton Toon running – running his 42-yard run, then that juke move he made in the open field, breaking um, the Rice defender's ankles, and then he accelerated before pulling up. That just shows the dual threat ability of Clayton Toon. And with that ability, along with passing, I, I think he can play well enough to potentially win American Athletic Conference Championship this year. But he, he's going to have to do it without turning the football over. Yeah, and I think that's just the big key that we we touched on where, honestly, that's probably the most uh, impressive and the most important stat out of all the coming out of this game against Rice, that there were no turnovers. They played, they played a key game, which honestly is something that they haven't done much, especially uh, under with Quentin Toon at center. And obviously, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not all necessarily on Quentin Toon. But hopefully it's a sign that they're turning the page. And that's what uh, Dana Hogerson said, that there's improvement right there. There's a lot of – it's a confidence that the team rallied around. They believe in him. And that's what you want to see week in and week out. You want to see improvement. Now, like we touched on it, next week against Grambling State, it should be another. It's an FCS school. Now, I know they're, they're an FCS school that has some buzz. But at the end of the day, Houston should have a similar performance. And they're really just – it should be clear that Houston is the better team from the get-go. And Dayon, before I let you wrap it up, I'll tell you this. If Houston can beat Grambling next week, that will be the first time under head coach Dana Hogerson that the Cougars win back-to-back games. Wow. Under Dana Hogerson. Wow. So, wow. Uh, that's that's not a good statistic, <laughs> but an interesting yeah. one. That's an interesting one. And so, I mean, I expect them to win. We expect them to win back-to-back games, although Grambling um, is a very historic program with a lot of um, good history. But I'm expecting Houston 
they come out and dominate, led by their defense. And I wonder how the crowd would be. I, I, I feel like there's some, there's some energy around the school with the announcement of the Big 12. So I'm interested to see what type of crowd will come out for that game and really just for all of the home games here um, in Houston. It's going to be their first home game inside TD ECU Stadium. So I can't wait for that. And I'm expecting Houston to come out and win back-to-back games for the first time in a Dana Hogerson tenure. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, it's funny. That's something we haven't even touched on. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's this overcloudy. There's this big announcement that was made on Friday uh, regarding Houston and the Big 12. And that's something that Dana Hogerson touched on that, honestly, he had been stressed out this past week just with everything that had come that has been happening this week. Obviously, coming off the heels of that brutal loss to Texas Tech, trying to turn the page, trying to focus for Rice. And then Friday, the big announcement is finally made that Houston has accepted the invitation to go to the Big 12. And it's just good all around for this Houston program to get that win under the belt and to do it in the fashion they did. Because I know there was talk like, what if Ferguson loses to Rice? What if Houston loses to Rice? Not only would that have been an embarrassing loss, to be quite frankly, but it would have ruined all the buzz that had been built of just yesterday um, that we were recording this um, of the Big 12 announcement. But now they can put that behind them. And I, that's something that I just thought of right now that you mentioned it going into next week. You know, there were 26,000, a little bit more of 26,000 people in the stands for this game at Rice Stadium. Uh, probably a majority of them were. Houston Cougar fans just in terms of seeing how much red there was across the stadium but uh, it'll yeah it'll be interesting to see how what the atmosphere is like at TDCU Stadium I know it's an FCS school but there's certainly buzz just with the Big 12 announcement itself one thing we will know that Gremlin will win that'll be the battle of the bands at the halftime <laughs> I, I expect <laughs> Gremlin <laughs> to win that battle but Man, that's going to be all for our recap as Houston dominated Rice, the crosstown rival Rice, 44-7, to winning the Bayou Bucket Trophy. I mean, any last words before we close out this episode? No, you said it you know, right there, dominating. And it was a complete performance from start to finish. They built a 17-0 lead and never looked back. And they were able to kind of weather the storm in that second quarter where often struggled. Uh, and complete domination all around. And, you know, outside of the three interceptions, they also had a block, a block punt towards the end in that fourth quarter. So really all around, all three phases of the game, you know, there's this common saying that was, that was made kind of famous for the professional team with the previous head coach that they had about playing a comp- complimentary football. And the Houston Cougars certainly did that, you know, from special teams, defense and offense. They all were in rhythm. They all played well. Now, like you mentioned, they just got to carry it over. And listen, they're playing Grambling. They have a chance to finally win back-to-back games under Dana Holgerson, which you mentioned it. It's a telling sign of where the program has been for the past two-plus seasons. And they're looking to turn the page. And obviously, it doesn't happen overnight. But this is the chance where they can finally take those steps, those gradual steps. So I know it's Grambling State. It's a game they should be expected to win. And it's... If they are really looking to turn the page, it's the game they must win. Yeah, without a doubt, man. But that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already, 
done so please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcast and be sure to follow at apollo hou that's on twitter also be sure to check out apollohou.com check out dayon and i's articles dayon had a quick kind of breakdown of the game kind of the highs and lows he gave his key defensive play of the game, his offense play of the game, his offense player of the game, offensive defensive players. Uh, Dan, I'm kind of, again, you can talk a little bit more of your article, but, you know, kind of gave the highs and lows of what happened against Rice. And also check out uh, our my post-game analysis uh, article, our focus, like we touched on, Dana Holgerson's comments about praising Day and on Clayton Toon and how the team really rallied around him. How Clayton Toon showed um, that he was able to tune out the noise, no pun intended, and you know, deliver a solid performance and all around the dominant performance for a touch on the defense as well. More a little additional post game reaction, but really, that would do it for today's episode. So, be sure to follow at Apollo HOU on Twitter for blogs, merch, videos, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. And also, please be sure to follow us at Pod Slamajama, like you see it in the description for this podcast. Pod Slamajama on Spotify or Apple and on Twitter. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back on our next episode. And as always, go Cougs. <laughs>